Hello, and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, long time no chat. Hey, Justin, how the devil are you? You're right, it has been a bit of a while, hasn't it? What's going on in sunny Canada? Well, it isn't sunny, and, well, uh, it's a quick chat, and then I don't chat to you for another four weeks. We've, we're taking a bit of a break. Uh, travel and oof. apparently we're starting to become a monthly podcast. Now. <laughs> no, we're, we're not, but we are. Uh, Stu's traveling, I'm traveling, and we're not traveling at the same time. So uh, for the next three weeks, there'll be no podcast, but we'll be back. Um, I heard you guys are getting this thing called a hot September. I have not seen hide nor hair of this thing. It is cool weather out here. God forbid rain. Luckily, it's helping the wildfires, uh, but it's it's really strange. I took the dog outside last week for her morning constitutional, and while she was on the front lawn, and I can hear the noise, I'm looking at my my phone and trying to figure out what time it is, and I'm trying to figure out why were my sprinklers still on. Um, no, my sprinklers were off when I checked my program. It was rain. That's how rare it is up here. Uh, it's been so long since we had any significant amounts and we had a, well, a week of it. But I'm reading, you're putting notes in <laughs> hottest September. Um, what's happening on the other side of the world that I'm not seeing? Well, in fairness, that's I I too have had, right? We had hailstones, um, little Kipruna, which is my my little Nissan March, sort of 20, 23 years old Nissan March. We have discovered that the window seal on the passenger side doesn't work very well. So uh, when it rains really, really hard, it gets wet inside. Oops. Um, but uh, on, uh, what's that thing called? Oh, yes, social media. I have been reading, Justin, that it is the hottest September since records began worldwide. There you are. It's hot, or it has been. Um, but here it's actually quite pleasant. I mean, we are, well, we're at 20, 25, 26 degrees today. Nice, pleasant warmth. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't, wasn't able to take the best advantage of it. I've been sitting at my desk most of the day, but there you are. Um, but no, this is now, these days, October, November is really nice time of the year here. Um, it's still warm enough for, for shorts and a t-shirt during the day um still warm enough to you know get out and about in the evening it's we have quite a long autumn um where the weather is very very pleasant whereas you guys seem to sort of hurry quite quickly from summer to winter don't you i had apparently hit me uh the other day that this is exactly what we do uh it's october stew holy jeez it's the first week in october um i turn my spring clothes off and i have well less than a month uh, to get everything ready for winter, which is, you know, cleaning everything, blowing out my sprinkler system, because once it freezes, it makes a mess of it. Um, I got to go in and do a whole bunch of maintenance stuff before, well, the snow comes. Because just after Halloween, first week in November, I think it was the second last year, uh, we got about uh, six to eight inches of snow and it stayed until March. Which means there's a lot of stuff for me to do in October. A busy month. Yeah, it will be. Ugh. And then travel in the middle of it just really didn't help. 
But I, I have some small wins, though. Um, first off, weather here is definitely cooler. It's hoodies and jeans. It's uh, my spring of fall attire. Apparently, we have seasonal attire. Who'd have thunk that? I never had that before. Um, but the fire ban was lifted last week uh, after all this rain that we've been having. So I actually got to sit outside last night and have a fire. It was absolutely lovely. The first time this summer, I did not actually mind smelling smoke. <laughs> yeah, if it's your own smoke, it's fine. That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah, as long as it's not, you know, the forest burning, we're good. <laughs> um, and I've, I've got some follow-up for Lisa, one of our uh, listeners who reaches out to us. Um, mm -hmm. Session beers, yep. light beers, low alcohol, uh, work well um, when one is in one yard, one's yard. Quenching thirst, uh, she recommended that with some... Uh, tomato juice, tomato juice, depending which side of the Atlantic you're on. Um, I'm not a huge fan of tomatoes, so uh, I skipped that and just had, well, a couple of light beers. Uh, I was cutting down some cedars the other day, and the beer was refreshing. It was quenching. I was sweating. Uh, this was before the cool came in, uh, so I was pretty hot. Um, yeah, I felt just fantastic. It was really quenching my thirst without giving that bloated feeling that drinking a gallon of water could do. Though, uh, I do have to be careful because, well, beer and chain stores, not a really good combination. <laughs> yes, I can well imagine. Water two's fine, right? No problem. Uh, but, uh, well, I mean, I have very strict rules about that sort of thing, which is I never, ever pick up a chainsaw. There you are. Easy. Yeah, uh, unfortunately I did. Um, how's life without Chicago, Stu? Settling into your, North, what do they call it? Small nuclear family. <laughs> yes, yes. Good old Chi-Chi. Yeah, she's, she's been gone a couple of weeks now. Um, she bonded very quickly with the uh, the dogs, you know, the new pack in the house. Um, she's much more comfortable with dogs than she is with humans. Um, but she is getting on with um, her new owner, who's uh, who well, seems to be a lovely woman, uh, and is being very patient with her and uh, sort of helping her to come out of herself. So uh, all seems to be very, very good. We get photos uh, almost every day. Um, she's loving uh, sort of autumn, <laughs> proper autumn, English autumn. Uh, so she's probably seeing a lot more rain than she's used to. I'd, I'd wager, uh, but we've we've got videos of her running through the the forests and going, "Wow, this is cool!" and just just having the best time. So that's delightful. Um, uh, we, yeah, we we miss her. Um, Spice and Charlie don't seem bothered at all. It's, it's it's like as if they know. It's like yeah, it's okay. She's moved on. She's okay. Um, and Spice, I think Spice was never keen on having another girl dog in the house. She. She really no so she's quite pleased i think to see the back of chicago charlie's uh, he's lost a playmate but um no all is well we are we are settled um my wife very nearly came home with a gsd or a german shepherd dog um, the, the other day um, now this is uh amusing on several levels one my wife is terrified of german shepherd dogs so why she would consider fostering one is beyond me um it came to the school that she works at and it was looking, you know, a little bit sorry for itself and, and they sort of coaxed it in and fed it and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then the, the various and sundry charities said, yep, yep, we can look after her, but somebody needs to foster her. And I think for a little minute, my wife went, 
and then didn't, um, which is quite a relief. Um, good choice. I'm not sure I'm ready for another, <laughs> another new dog that I have to train to stay in the garden when I open the gates and all that stuff. It's far too much like hard work. And a German shepherd, you've got a size differential. I don't know if yours are the same way, but, uh, Coco, she's got friends all the way around the neighborhood. She does really well with the friends that are approximately her same size. Her friends in the hit neighborhood that are bigger. There's uh, a big uh, black lab. Uh, there's uh, an older sort of, I'm not sure what kind of dog it is, but um, uh, she gets really nervous the first time they come up to her all the time. Um, and she's, she kind of gets used to them after a minute or two, but uh, she, she doesn't like size differentials. How are yours? Uh, well, I mean, Charlie uh, is, I don't know, either fearless or too stupid to be frightened of anything. He, um, he will merrily walk up to a snarling beast, uh, wagging his tail, and just seems completely unaffected by all the snarls and posturing. He just comes up and shoves his nose, uh, well, wherever he can get his nose, to be honest. You know, he sounds a bit like you, because I have a feeling if we were in a pub, you would be that guy coming up to everybody, being friendly and disarming and just having fun. <laughs> I tried to be that, yeah. Um, and yeah, he's, he certainly is that. Spice, she's a little bit more circumspect. Um, uh, yet when riled, she can be really, really snappy. She's, um, I think she's quite a lot smarter. She's certainly a lot faster. Um, and yeah, she's got a nasty nip on her actually, but yeah, it would be, it would be a worry with a really big dog. You know, you, you could see that one of my small ones might get caught in the big dog's throat. That's probably the only way it would, would do any damage. Um, but generally speaking, I find that bigger dogs are, are more biddable, um, in, in my experience of them, but you know, with a, with a, a new dog that you've kind of taken off the street, who knows, who knows what that's going to be. So yes, I was relieved not to have to do it. Let's, let's be mm. fair. That's okay. Gives you room for the next one. <laughs> Indeed. In other news, and um, readers of my blog may already, or certainly subscribers to my blog, <laughs> paid members uh, will already know. But um, for anyone else, um, reason we didn't record last week wasn't Justin's uh, fault. <laughs> this was me. Um, I cancelled out late. Uh, my mum uh, has been given a cancer diagnosis. Uh, which obviously Justin has a lot of experience of, um, but this one is terminal, uh, which is not a word you want to hear uh, in juxtaposition with cancer. Now, my mum is soon to be 80 years old, and the treatment plan at the moment is go away and come back in three months. So I don't think there's any sort of imminent threat to, to my mum. It's all a little bit confused. Um, I'm hoping to speak to the med medics this week or next, uh, just to get a little bit more clarity around exactly what's happening. Um, but my mum had an operation around about this time last year, or no, December um, of last year, um, to have part of her lung removed. And the, the, the call at the time was, okay, that's all good. Everything's sorted. We're fine. Well, it isn't. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been odd. That has knocked me off my game a little bit. It's not something you you um, ever want to be deal with, and as as I said, Justin can <laughs> can speak to that. Um, but we're getting our heads around it now, and uh, you know, working out what this all means. And um, hopefully, I shall be 
be back on my game, apart from the fact that now there's there's work to do, Justin's got work to do, and then there's a little walk in Spain for me. So the, the fact that we're not around for a few weeks is is nothing to do with it. It's not you, it's us. <laughs> it's life getting in the way. Um, but we will be back soon, I promise. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, sorry to hear about your mom. We've been chatting sort of offline a little bit about it. It's, sure. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's a tough one. Um, I haven't been through the whole terminal diagnosis, but uh, I know all the other stuff, and I would not wish that on anybody. It's uh, it's a rough, a rough stroke. You know, it's uh, cancer's bad on obviously the the patient, but um, one of the things I don't think anybody ever talks about is how much um, that kicks everybody else. Uh, you know, you bringing this up is is uh you know making it public is tough for you it's it's a hard thing to do and i'm sure our listeners like me are there for you whenever you need anything to do thank you Justin, and also for your mom but um yeah um moms they they don't need anything there there i i have a feeling your mom will tell these people no we're not doing cancer today <laughs> quite possibly tool of the week do you have one this week or Tool, tool of the last two weeks, maybe. Yeah, tool of the fortnight. There you are. Um, yeah, for me, it was it was summer's revenge. Uh, so things started cooling off. Um, I changed the way I play golf. Instead of having a little sort of push trolley, electric trolley, I, I just have a bag that I put on my back and just wander around going, it's okay, it's fine. Um, and that was great. And, and then suddenly it got hot again. Um, and lots of humidity <laughs> came along. It was a, oh, oh, that was a bit of a shock. I was... I was kind of looking forward to, you know, getting long pants out and maybe, maybe putting on a hoodie. Um, but no, I think that's probably a month or two away now. Um, so that, that, that kind of threw me uh, a little bit off my game. And then uh, obviously the phone call from, from England about my mum, that really threw, threw me off my game. What about you? What was your tool of the week? I might actually a positive one. I had a bit of a mind shift. Uh, I've been worrying about some issues at work that I take very seriously. I realized I was taking on stress for decisions that weren't mine and that I couldn't control. And trying to shift my mind to let go of the personal responsibility for other people's decisions helped me get the stress of these issues off my mind. I don't know if that makes any sense, but sort of realizing that, you know, these things were at the end of the day, not something that I had done and I could be responsible for, um, even though the consequences are something that I'm responsible for. Very challenging spot. Um, how do you, how do you deal with stress like that, Stu? Do you, are you able to sort of differentiate, um, what is really the, the monkey on your back and what is really somebody else's? Um, well, yeah, I have some sort of specific ones where, um, obviously sort of jobby job stuff. I'm a consultant. Um, the things I deal with are, are, you know, quite serious, they're legal liabilities. And so, um, I do get concerned. I get worried when customers um, don't seem to be picking up um, the importance of something. <laughs> um, and I, I get sort of very f worried about, okay, am I communicating this properly? Why don't they understand? Because, you know, the bottom line is the advice I'm giving them is not really advice. It's an instruction. 
you, you must do this or you are going to fall foul of A, B, or C. Um, but you don't necessarily communicate it that way. And so sometimes I have to just sort of sit back a bit and go, okay, what's my obligation? My obligation is to communicate extremely clearly to this person what needs to happen. And, and frankly, not in writing. There's something that I need to explain to them. Um, so I don't want to be creating you know, unhelpful paper trails, let's, let's call it that. Um, and so it's a case then of, of organizing a phone call and saying, right, okay, I know we're on a call. Are you 100% on this call? Have you, you know, closed your laptop? Are you listening to me? Um, you're not, you know, multitasking. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is the message and I will communicate as directly as I can. Okay. This is the risk that you are taking. These are the things that you must do to mitigate that risk. If you do not do that, you run the risk of being in a breach of a law. Um, do you understand? Once they then say, yes, I understand, I stop worrying about whether they've done it because then, you know, I've, I feel I've done everything I can in my, my um, bailwick, as it were. So I would then just send them an email confirming our, conf our conversation, not the detail of it, but uh, the conversation and um, the sort of agreed solution, again, without detail. That's me done. It, it's their business. It's their life. If if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. It's great. As long as they pay me, that's my, my job is done. So yeah, I think it is very easy. I think it's probably a good sign that, that as an employee or as a, a consultant, you, you take this stress on and you get concerned about it, but you do, as you say, have to draw a line and say, okay, um, <laughs> there's only so much of this that, that's mine to take. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, you just go mad, I think. Well, that explains a lot about me then, isn't it? Go mad. <laughs> All right, Stu. Uh, what have you been writing with uh, for the last little while? Well, yeah, I've still got my little triumvirate running, so I haven't run out on any of them, which is, is I've probably doomed myself to three three ink changes tomorrow, but um, I've got my uh, Sailor 1911, which is a bright yellow pen, um, which um, I love. It's, it's a more old-fashioned Sailor. It's got a cigar shape rather than a sort of more... Uh, sort of um, square ends that you get on the, the Pro Gears. Um, I've got that in a, a very nice um, sort of light green ink, Sailor Shikiori, I think. Um, and then I've got my Pelican M205 Star Ruby with Star Ruby ink, which is a sort of baby Pelican um, mm -hmm. with a, a little steel nib. It's lovely. Uh, and my Sailor Pro Gear Sunset Over the Ocean, which has got uh, my very nice JFK Mont Blanc ink in it. Oh, very professional. Oh, yes. Very nice. Very nice. And what about you? What are you What are you rocking? Anything new this week? Well, a couple of things that have sort of changed. Um, I went to the Pelican Hub. I think I mentioned that I was going there and I was excited because I was going to meet fountain pen people. Uh -huh. um, it was interesting. Most of the people were from a calligraphy club Okay. in um the city above me um and uh, half of them had never used a fountain pen before so they were kind of interested in it and uh obviously there was a couple of people that had a little bit of experience but really at the end of the day um i was kind of the fountain pen expert uh, so it was more of a wow uh, teaching and explaining and ask answering questions it was it was cool got to meet uh, some wonderful new people um the pelican hub inc this year 
is, I can't remember what it's called, rose something. But it's a very light pink, which I can tell you, Stu, is not a color generally in my rotation. Um, but I, I inked it up when I had a Twisby go with me because I thought I'd show it off with the um, cool uh, springy mechanism fulfilling. And I thought, you know what? Uh, if I give this to people that use fa uh, calligraphy nibs, because we all know how they get their lines to look so pretty. They squeeze down on them. I figured the go is a, is a fair sacrifice. Uh, so I threw it out and, uh, oh, Stu is typing rose quartz. He's doing my research for me because I was just too lazy. <laughs> but I passed this around and I was then writing with pink ink for a whole week. Um, it's a light pink. It's just not really calling to me, but if you're into that kind of color, it is a very nice color. It's, it's very light though. That's, I think my problem with it. It's, um, yeah, weird. Uh, so, well, after that, I decided that I was going to ink up something more appropriate. I dug out uh, the Leonardo galaxy. Uh, that sparkly pen that I bought a year ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I was, I, I realized two things. One, that sparkly pen was the bell of the ball. Cause I took a bunch of pen, my pens with me. Didn't matter how much the pen cost. Uh, the sparkly Leonardo was the one that everybody was looking at. So it's like, okay, well, if it's so cool for everybody else. Uh, I got to get back, fall back in love with it because I haven't used it in a while. And I filled it up with a very autumnal Noodler's Apache Sunset, um, which is so appropriate for the time of year. It's kind of a orangey red. It's got some great color shading in it. There's a link in the show notes to it, but uh, really, really pretty ink. Um, and I'm just loving it. I'm just having fun writing everything in this very, very seasonal color. I don't know, Stu. Seasons, I'm doing matchy-matchy. Oh, what's coming next? Well, I mean, a question for you. These calligraphers then who, who you know, weren't familiar with, with fountain pens, what are they using? Are they using sort of, sort of quills or sharpened sticks? Or uh, So they use dip pens with very, very flexible nibs. Okay. Uh, so that is, uh, there's like a regular one where you put the nib on the end. There's also like an oblique. So it's got this kind of comes off at a 45 degrees. Uh, but these are, so imagine a fountain pen nib without a feed. Uh, and they're much, much thinner and they're almost sacrificial in some ways, uh, because they are designed to be dipped. And as you squeeze on them, the tines open, they're very flexible steel. Uh, fairly inexpensive, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, and as the tines open, that's how you get your line variation in, in a nib, uh, in, in their calligraphy nibs. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, if you, uh, put anywhere near that pressure onto, well, particularly any gold nib, uh, you've got yourself a, a useless nib cause you've just sprung the tines on it. Sure. Hence the, hence the Twisby go as one to let them try because. It's not an expensive uh, investment, but uh, yeah, it was kind of neat to uh, see people in their first time ever using a fountain pen. That was just really enjoyable. Very cool. So I take it you'll be going back to uh, to Pelican Hubs now. Uh, we will see. Uh, I realize it's in 
the road uh, that goes up and it's a drive and I was tired. I didn't want to drive home by the end of it. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, once a year, it's kind of a nice thing to do. Just no more pink ink. Let's get something I'll use. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be different next year. They'll they'll react to the pink. You'll get some sort of big macho blue black or something. Um. Well, the let me, I'm just trying to think. Last time I went to one because there was one last year uh, that I did not go to uh, because there wasn't one locally to me. Um, but the one before that was uh, the Star Ruby that you're writing with, which, mm -hmm. well, let's face it, Stu, it's a little pink. That's pretty pink, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering if I've got this thing cursed. If I show up, it becomes pink. Uh, I think I've, I've got a, a, the whole selection of uh, the Edelstein stuff. But yes, it just seems that every time I show up, uh, I think one year it was uh, smoky quartz i don't know smoky something or other kind of a, a light brown mm -hmm. pelican in this line is not doing a whole lot of uh bold bright colors unfortunately no for sure yeah for sure so oh well it's it was fun it was nice to meet new people um and then yeah just just weird because it's the first time i've been in a room with seven new people well since the pandemic mm. yeah yeah i guess so very awkward my social skills suck now I'm out of practice. So instead, I'm going to use an assistant to do it the next time. Uh, what, what is that's, ladies and gentlemen, that's why Justin gets the big bucks. <laughs> uh, that is our topic for this week, as Stu sort of gave away. Uh, using an assistant. So this was a topic that Stu brought up, and I've, I've got mixed feelings on this. And before I, I rant on those, uh, I was going to ask Stu, uh, what do you think uh, in person, digital, AI. Which do you prefer? And how do you use them? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, let, let's let's get this sorted out now straight away. Um, AI doesn't work. Um, <laughs> uh, if you are referring to large language models, then I think that they're quite interesting. Um, they don't work either. But they don't work. <laughs> and in terms of digital assistance that one finds in, in one's smart devices, I can only speak for the Apple range, uh, and they don't work. So uh, that makes things, I guess, a little bit easier. It narrows the field somewhat. Um, uh, I, I wanted an assistant for a long time. Um, I, I had this, um, I suppose expectation that life would just become so much easier and things would automatically just get done uh, and that my assistant would um, just make things easy for me. And I had a very outdated, old-fashioned view of what an assistant was. So last time I had an assistant was 23 years ago, I would say. Um, I, I had a PA um, in the, the late 90s. Um, in Hungary, of all places. Um, and um, I had a young woman working for me who, I mean, incredibly intelligent, spoke four languages fluently, uh, university degree, um, and is probably running a large company by now, I would suggest. Um, brilliantly uh, gifted, charming, uh, fantastic, far more able than I in many, many things. And um, once I actually got an assistant, I, I had to sit there and think, well, what the hell do I do with them? Um, <laughs> good question, isn't it? It's yeah. easier to get than it is to find stuff to do. 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of it was kind of a, you know I I had my own um, sort of office at the back of the office, a glass cube inside a glass cube. Um, I had little blinds. I had a great view, um, and, and clearly outside of my office, I had my personal assistant. Life was complete. Um, so it was a huge status symbol thing for me. Um, and as I say, my my first my first issue was um, oh well. What, what shall I? What shall I get her to do? Uh, fortunately, she was quite smart, and so she came to me and said, "Okay, well, um, I've got IT to give me logins to your calendar and your email." And I'm like, "Oh, how you, you've done what? Oh, oh, right, yeah, calendar. You're gonna, um, okay." Um, and I was, I was extremely naive. All of my personal email used to go to my company email address. I was like, um. Mm. Wow, maybe I need to change that. So, so uh, the first thing that happened when I got an assistant is I got a hell of a lot of stuff that I had to do, <laughs> and I don't think at I don't think at any point did it occur to me that I could ask the assistant to do it. Um, and so, yeah, it, it triggered a sort of change in the way that I organised um, and segregated my my uh, personal life, my business life, and uh, she took over managing my calendar, which always went went terribly because she would put meetings in and I would immediately go, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do meetings at that time of day. Can you move that till then? And so the next meeting she would set up in the new sort of time slot that I'd recommended. And I'd go, oh, no, actually, I can't do morning that day because I'm going out the night before. I'm just, <laughs> this was so much easier when I did it myself. Um, but eventually we, we got to a sort of working arrangement that, that was, I suppose, if not more efficient than me doing it on my own, at least as efficient as me doing it on my own, um, and probably, well, definitely better documented. Um, and ultimately, I think what happened was that I started using that assistant or, or tasking that assistant with becoming an extension of my reach. So um, if I had research things that needed to be done, I could get the assistant to do them. Um, then we had all those really awkward conversations about whether whether the assistant would take any responsibility for any of my private things. You know, is it okay to say to your assistant, "Go to the dry cleaner"? Is it not? Mm. Um, is it okay to get the assistant to organise someone to go and clean my apartment? You know, these were all things that I I feel at the time I don't think I felt particularly uncomfortable, but now I would. Um, I think the world has moved on a little bit. Um, but certainly back then as an expatriate or another word for immigrant, if you like an expatriate manager <laughs> in, in central Europe, um, then it was, it, I wouldn't say it was de rigueur, but the, you know, many of us had, uh, assistants who organized all those aspects of our lives. And if we needed anything doing that involved, uh, the local language, then we would get our, our PAs to do it for us. Um, which was a, you know, a fantastic luxury, but I would probably, no, I would definitely feel uncomfortable about that now. Um, but since then, um, you know, when, when we set up the, the new business, the money transfer business in the UK, uh, neither James, my co-director, nor, nor I ever considered getting an assistant. We, we began hiring people who I suppose the head of compliance, her first role was um, assistant to us both. Um, but you know, within about four weeks, she was effectively running the company. And then 
you know, as, as we needed more people, they came on in sort of fairly nondescript roles, which, uh, they were all department heads by, by the time that we sold the business, if you see what I mean. So it was all functional management, um, that was one rung below us on the ladder. There were two rungs on the ladder. There was everyone else and there was us. That was it. Um, and we never had anybody doing, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do air quotes here, which doesn't come across very well on, on a podcast, but, um, we never had sort of personal assistant doing assistant type roles, whatever they may be. Um, and, you know, I think it had come on so much that, you know, we were running out of, um, Outlook, you know, Microsoft Outlook Ugh. and, you know, yeah, yeah, love it or hate it. At the time, there was a certain novelty to it, I think. But love it or hate it, it, it does try to cover everything. It does try to have your calendar and your tasks and your email and uh, meetings and everything all sort of thrown into one place. Um, and the promise of something like Microsoft Outlook was that it was your assistant, but, you know, that it never needed time off um, and it didn't need paying, although Microsoft was pretty good at getting paid at first. So... Mm. That became my new sort of normal. Um, and then I suppose that the, the last stage would be like many other people. I read the four hour work week where the premise of the book seemed to be that you, you know, you got yourself a virtual assistant in India or the Philippines. Or, um, uh, and then really you sort of just sat back and watched the millions roll in. I mean, that, that was what I took from the book. Um, I'm not sure I necessarily read it that well. Um, so I don't think that's what happened. I may or may not think I ever finished that book. I may have started it a couple of times and. Well, the, there weren't very, very many long, 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 long words in it. Yeah. But it was kind of like you, re, you read it and you just kind of BS, you know, you, you, you're, you're making money selling the book, not actually, you know, doing anything. And your assistant might've wrote it. Uh, but yes, <laughs> yeah, anyway. it's, a, it, it's a Tim Ferriss book and, and you know, Tim Ferriss books work in a certain way, I suppose is, is what I would say. Um, but yeah, the, that was so appealing was the idea that there would be some university educated genius, um, at the end of the email, um, who wanted to be paid $20 a month, um, and would essentially work for you tirelessly and, uh, help you come up with, you know, blue ocean strategies and, uh, and again, not really, no. Um, they sort of sit at the end of the email and wait for you to ask them to do something and then come back to you and say, sorry, what? Um, and <laughs> yeah, it, oh, it's not still. No, it's yeah. not their inadequacy at all. I'm sure they're all very competent. But I think people underestimate how difficult it is to communicate to somebody what it is you want doing. Yesterday, my friend, I was, I was how do I say this as nicely as possible? Uh, I was calling a bank to activate a new work credit card. And you know, your call is been forwarded in North America. We have a particular ringtone when, when the phone rings, mm -hmm. it rings in a certain way. Sure. When it rings in other parts of the world, England, particularly, it does like a, brr, brr. you, I'm sure you're very familiar with that one. Oh, for sure. Uh, so my call went from the North American ring to the non-North American, brr, brr. um, and, and this wonderfully chipper person who was so chipper that they were basically chewing on their microphone and you could hardly hear them. 
mm-hmm. um, going through a script, yep. including the sales pitch, yeah. um, to verify who I am and, um, you know, in, in this hard to understand because of the way the microphone was set up, I don't know what kind of work environment they had. Um, the, the accent was a little stronger than I was used to talking super, super fast. Um, and it was, it was so hard for me to communicate. And I, I, you know, I deal with Canada is multicultural, so it's not that any one of these is a bad thing in itself, but the combination of them together and the script that they use in an offshore call center, um, I was ready to throw my phone across the room. Um, I miss the old days. Um, and this bank, it's a work bank and different one that I use. It's so behind the time, you know, my bank, if I call from my cell phone, it says, Hey, we know it's you. Um, this one, oh, it's just painful. Uh, so mm. the idea of trying to work with someone that's chewing on their microphone and that's energetic, um, oof you know, meet, meet your listener wherever they are kind of thing. This one did not do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Offshore scares me. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you, if you add in offshore to, um, the sort of pay differential and you add into that, the business model of these sort of virtual assistants is that it, it tends not to be an individual saying, I know what I can do with my time. I can, I can help Stuart do his filing remotely. Um, they're, they're working in, a call center environment uh, they might have 30 clients on their books um and sure they can you know they're, they're smart people and they can do stuff but trying to communicate to them what you need trying to build a sufficient relationship with them so that they intuit what it is you need which is what um certainly my assistant in hungary used to do um it's a huge investment and very very difficult without face-to-face contact um and i i just found the whole thing a little bit odd um you know one of the things that you can traditionally outsource okay let's look at um let's say you're doing seo advertising or google uh adwords or those types of tasks that can be undertaken by someone with expertise anywhere in the world because there's no time zone issues it's just a login that's it's great it's fabulous it except it isn't because um the most important element of those type of tasks is learning how they impact your business. Um, and all of that learning process, if you outsource it, then well, guess what? You don't actually know anything more at the end. And so I would spend four hours asking someone to, to sort something out around this that they would then spend two billable hours on. So there's four hours of my time, two hours of their time, or, I could do it in 45 minutes on my own. And it's, I appreciate that there's the whole repetitive thing of, you know, if you get somebody to do that enough times, you're going to save money, blah, blah. But actually, I found that very difficult to find instances in my particular businesses where that was useful. So um, I I quickly sort of abandoned that. I mean, uh, Claire works, um, I would say Claire works for me. Um, in theory, Claire works for me. She doesn't. <laughs> She's entirely autonomous. Um, I, I thank heavens. Makes uh, much better decisions than I do often, certainly when it comes to, to looking after customers. Um, and, you know, we we touch base once a week on a, on a video call. 
Um, and I'd say half that call is about relationship. It's about, you know, what's going on in her life, what's going on in mine. Um, it, it's more of a friendship than anything else. She she is driven by by customer orders, customer needs, customer requirements. Um, and very occasionally she has to kick me to, you know, provide uh, either financial support or, you know, new stock or, you know, my elements of the business. So she's, she's many, many things. She's not an assistant. I was just thinking, you know, that sounds uh, almost like my wife. Uh, Stu, what's your credit card number again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, exactly. Um, I I think the it's perfectly possible now to to have all of your um, admin or repetitive tasks. I mean, you're probably better at this than I am, but um, you can have your tech go a long way to doing that. I mean, set my accounts. I mean, I get all sort of dramatic about them, but actually doing my annual returns, I did them for both companies in less than half a day the other day. Um, I had spent at least 20 man days uh, prevaricating and procrastinating about them. But actually when it came down to doing them, it took a couple of hours each because you know, systems are all automated. My web shop talks to my uh, accountancy system, which talks to my bank account. Um, and as long as everything goes through those filters, it all ends up in my account and gets, you know, the system gets very, very smart at working out what goes where. I just have to say, okay, every now and again. Um, and I don't need for my level of business, very small, um, you know, low transaction volumes, etc. I don't need to have, you know, um, multiple bookkeepers and accountants. I've just got a little computer system that does it for me and, you know, charges me handsomely, but it's still a lot cheaper than paying, you know, um, two junior Justins and, and, and a Justin. Oh, you could pay me. I, preferably I don't have to work, but, uh, you know, hey, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, like you, I'm, I'm, I'm not good at delegating. I, just there's an approach particularly in productivity circles i think it comes back to that four-hour work week that if you can earn money then you give the tasks that you can to somebody else sure and like Stu, i my own experience with this particularly in the last i don't know 15 years um i think the last barrier for me was travel but coming up with something that somebody else could do quicker better with less touch points for me uh on a routine basis is very tough um and like you i think i i got to the point where um i just want i i find it quicker and easier to do it myself because you know maybe my rules aren't very good uh booking meetings like stew um no i don't feel like this meeting at this time uh, but I could deal with this one in the afternoon when I have low energy, this one, I need to be on point for the nuances behind that are very hard to communicate to somebody else. Uh, I remember, you know, uh, having, uh, we sort of had a shared, uh, office support, uh, that would book travel. And I could tell you that booking travel, uh, used to be 
well, you'd leave at this time, at this time, at this time. Are you going for the cheapest? Okay, well, we're routing you nine hours out of your way because North American travel sucks. Uh, unless you're just going point to point in the U.S., but going from Canada to the U.S. sucks. Um, or we can go direct and it's three times the price. You know, there's sort of those trade-offs that you just know as, sure. you know, as the person making the decision. Um, and staff, if you give them, sometimes if, 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 if a PA doesn't kind of understand the brief, you go one way, completely the wrong way, or you go the other way. And, and it just was so much of a, a touch point for me having to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, um, that I find it was easier. And I think for me, digital has helped so much. There is not much that I can't do within a couple of clicks nowadays, you know, whether it's uh, purchasing something, whether it's ordering something, whether it's talking to somebody, um, so much of digital has made it quicker and easier for me to do my own tasks than to explain the brief to somebody else and um, go back and check on the results to make sure that they were my interpretation of the brief because communication is, well, it's imperfect and sometimes I'm not very good at it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a rough one. So I think I've kind of gone through a similar journey to Stu. Um, and you know, I, we listen to tech podcasts. Um, there are so many people on shortcuts and voice assistants and, um, you know, the ladies in the tubes running the entire house because it's quicker than turning on a light. Um, I have, uh, uh, my house is controlled by Amazon Echo. I'm not going to say the lady's name because she's sitting right there glowing, looking at me. And I know if I say <laughs> something, she's going to come on the podcast and say, what did you want? Um, but I have the bar in my life. So I come downstairs in the morning. Uh, I walk through an area that's what's my bar. I've got a couch. I've got music room. Uh, but I've got one light in the middle of it that is automated that I call the bar. Uh, so about once a week, I ask a lady in the tube, bar on. Simple, right? I've asked the same thing every morning for the last week. I will continue to ask it at the, at the end of, or, you know, for the next week. And at the end of the day, bar off. You get how this goes. Um, there's a... a a complication where it's a dog barking and I'm not sure how bar on gets to barking, but yes, the lady in the tube barks at me regularly. So now you have to say lady in the tube, stop lady in the tube bar on. And it's so frustrating. Um, and that's with the one that works. That's not even with Siri. Um, I couldn't imagine. You know, some of these cutting edge people, uh, AI is changing the world. Uh, Stu and I, we took, uh, I took some pot shots at it uh, a little while ago, plugging some stuff in it, uh, to see what it knew. And it doesn't know much. Uh, <laughs> I think Stu owned, what, what was it you owned, Stu? Something that doesn't even exist anymore. Anyway, just, uh, it, AI, it probably has its uses. 
but trusting something to come back with the result you're wanting, which I think is my own challenge with assistance is that trust to come back with the thing that I'm looking for, that I don't then have to, you know, go through and spend the same amount of time checking it. It's quicker and easier for me just to do it. Maybe I'm a control freaks too. Is that, is that it? <laughs> well, it could be. I mean, for, for me, I think a lot of it is, um, as you say, the, the tasks that come up, I don't have that many that are very repetitive. They're all, they're, they're things I have to do every year. I have to do my accounts every year. Um, and, but within that, there is nuance. And because I run the business, when the, the system says to me, okay, this is that, correct? Question mark. I know if it is or isn't. My system wouldn't. And my assistant would have to come to me and say, is this correct? I go, okay, well, no, it's not correct. And you can see it's not correct because of the following reasons. Okay, there we go. We've just gone through a little sort of training exercise. That's great. And then this would be repeated, you know, 10, 15, 20 times, I guess, each, each time. Um, the problem I have is that I'm not sure those little lessons for the first 10 instances would actually help with the next 10 instances mm -hmm. because I know that that transaction is a screw up. Why? Because Claire called me when it happened and said, we've got to do this and there's that, and this has gone there. And can we move that here? And we've come up with some sort of solution. The assistant doesn't know that. So I, I think you get to the point, you think this is just going to be so much faster if I just do it. Um, and you know, generally speaking, you say, look, it's, it's not your fault, Mr. Assistant, you, you, <laughs> you wouldn't know this. So that's fine. You just chill. Yeah. You know, make some tea, have, have a coffee and I'll sort this out. Um, and, and then you're paying Mr. Assistant to sit there and drink tea while, while you resolve the problem. Uh, and then, then immediately you have to think, okay, I've got this assistant now. What do I have to do with the assistant? Well, I've got to find something to do with the assistant. Let me spend an hour finding a half hour task for the assistant. And, and you catch yourself going, this, this is nuts. I mean, I was trying to get things automated that I didn't need automated to try and keep the, the assistant busy. Mm. Just, uh, this is nuts. This is crazy. Yep. I completely agree with you. All right. So assistants are a no-go. Uh, well, you know, I, you know, if you're in a fast growing business and you know, you've got a big department and you've got, um, if, if an assistant, if you need an assistant, I think you know it. Um, if you think you need an assistant, <laughs> then ask yourself why. Is it because, you know, you want the prestige? Is it because you want someone to sort out your dry cleaning for you? Is it because you want to have somebody you can say, hey, can you get me some coffee? Um, and if that is <laughs> the reason that you want it, I humbly suggest to you that for your business, it would be better if you just did that stuff yourself. I think that's a very good summary. I don't think I've got anything else to add for that. I am not one of those people that need one. I'm not one of those people that feels comfortable with that. So, yeah. And I think I'm just a little too random for that. <laughs> All right, Stu, takeaways. Uh, but look, the, the aim is to, is to fashion your life so that you spend time on the important stuff. Um, but of the hundred things that you can do to do that better, uh, getting an assistant is probably in the 90s in terms of importance. There's many, many more things that you can do to improve your focus and making sure that you're spending time on the important stuff. Mm. Cool. As Nike says, just do it. You don't need an assistant. Boom. Just do it. 
just do it. Stu, where can people find you on the interwebs? Okay, well, you can find me in lots of places. You can find me uh, at stuartlennon.com, where I sort of write. Um, Limeconsulting.com is my anti-money laundering business. It's very high-powered stuff. Um, That also is on X as Lime Consult. There's a Facebook page. There's an Instagram profile. There's LinkedIn. Uh, It's all Lime Consulting or some variation thereon. Uh, Nero's Notes co.uk fantastic stationary website where you can find that on x as well and on facebook as pocket notebooks because just facebook is facebook is hard dealing with meta uh involves quite a lot of those call centers that justin was talking to talking about earlier um and now you can find a uh i'm back on twitter or x as it is now known i've got a personal account there um uh at Four left one eight seven. So that's F O R E L E F T one eight seven. It's a golfing term. Four left it means the ball is heading off left in an uncontrolled manner, which happens to me quite a lot. Um, one eight seven is because somebody else had that name. Um, but this is where I'm. I'm going through a political reawakening, um, and well, I'm finding I'm finding a place to express anger. So it's not it's not the cheeriest of a case. Uh, but yeah, if you if you want to hear me railing against the world, then pop by there. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? You can't. Go away. Um, no. <laughs> uh, if Stu can do angry, so can I. No. I I'm pretty quiet on the interwebs at the moment. You can find links to the things I do, justintwyford.com. You can email both Stu and myself at stationaryjacent at gmail.com. Please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher choice. And we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends or colleagues. Though, uh, be warned, uh, no new content for, well, four weeks. Oof. <laughs> we'll be back, I promise. <laughs> and we even set up a next topic for the time when we're back, if we can remember what it is. Daily driver setup. Cool. All right. Until then. Have a good month. Goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.